0: Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34. Senator Sanders, the first question to you. Mayor Bloomberg is pitching himself as a centrist who says he's best positioned to win in November. Why is your revolution a better bet?
1: In order to beat Donald Trump, we're going to need the largest voter turnout in the history of the United States. Uh, Mr. Bloomberg had policies in New York City of stop and frisk which went after African American and Latino people in an outrageous way. That is not a way you're going to grow voter turnout. What our movement is about is bringing working class people together, black and white and Latino, Native American, Asian American, around an agenda that works for all of us and not just the billionaire. Class, And that agenda says that maybe, just maybe, we should join the rest of the industrialized world, guarantee health care to all people as a human right, raise that minimum wage to a living wage of 15 bucks an hour, and have the guts to take on the fossil fuel industry because their short-term profits are not more important than the future of this planet and the need to combat climate change. Those are some of the reasons we have the strongest campaign to defeat Donald Trump. So, So Mayor Mayor Bloomberg, uh, uh, can can Senator Sanders beat President Trump, and how do you want to respond to what else he said? Um, I don't think there's any chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. You don't start out by saying, uh, I've got 160 million people. I'm going to take away the insurance plan that they love. That's just not a ways that you go and start building the coalition that the Sanders uh, camp thinks that they can do. I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. And if he goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years and we can't stand that.
2: happened in the bloomberg campaign today we're speaking with two ex-bloomberg 2020 staffers victoria stoner and dale porter welcome victoria and dale
1: hi, Thank you for having- Absolutely. hi for
2: having us. so let's talk about initially what his promises were to you he promised that he would keep you guys on payroll all the way through till november regardless of whether he was the nominee or not um, he was going to support whoever the eventual nominee was, if it wasn't him, and that you'd be part of that, and you would remain on staff and, and collect a paycheck. Uh, so, what happened?
3: Well, starting from the beginning, um, I was interviewed early January for a regional organizing director position uh, from New York, and that's, um, and it, that was relayed to me that we were going to be on until November. Whoever the nominee was, regardless of him, he had pledged his support. Uh, that was reiterated for my first interview it was reiterated in my second interview my offer in the end of january um and it was even told to me on my onboarding so when i started hiring staff i could relay that message to my staff okay. i always I thought it was a too good to be true offer until i went through training and it was reiterated um and that's what i told them the people that i hired and tori is one of the people that i had hired
2: okay so, yeah, so that's, you know, that's like a big thing to consider when you work in political campaigns. It's uh it's very fluid, right? You can have a job one day and two weeks later you're out. That's kind of sort of how you work uh, if you're a consultant or if you're on staff for a campaign. So for him to make that offer of guarantee, I would imagine that's inducing somebody to take to take employment with his campaign versus somebody else's where you might not have that security.
3: It, absolutely. Um, th- that was a major uh consideration that i took i left a stable job uh to take this position uh just because the high pay uh, i could pay off my debts get moving on um it was uh it's something that i love doing it's something i went to school to do it's a passion project and i was able to get a stable pay until november fantastic that was i I hopped right on board uh regardless of the nominee is we needed our number one priority was getting donald trump out of office and we all were on that bandwagon
2: Right. No, which makes sense. So then my understanding is that they further told you um, that you would be able to keep your laptop and iPhone, um, and that turned out to not be the case either. What happened there?
3: uh, Well, Tori, it affected you a little bit more than average.
0: Yeah, so with the laptop and the phone, um, this is the first campaign I'd worked on where I had been offered that, but the standard is that it's kind of treated like a bonus. Yeah. Uh, and so when I was hearing from other people who worked in my region and who shared my office, was, well, usually they let you keep the phone or the computer. And I was like, oh, okay. And on our, I think we had like a set of three calls where, mm-hmm. I don't think it was ever outright said, even when we were fired, that we were fired. It was right. very euphemistic uh, and brief. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the call where they were talking about the phones and the laptop said, well, you have the option to keep it or you can donate it or you can send it back. And I thought, well, I'm keeping it because I'm not going to work anymore. And they said, OK, right. just be mindful that if you do keep it, that you are going to have to pay the taxes next year. And I thought, great bonus laptop yeah bonus phone sounds good and uh, then I took a look at my last paycheck and they had taken it out and they'd also taken out the taxes on it (laughs) at the same time so it was like oh okay (laughs) Uh, I guess this is just what you're doing without telling us
2: so the yeah. option could have been that they could have charged you the taxes on your W2 or what have you. And instead they charged you the the market they deducted the market cost of those two items plus the taxes.
3: Yeah, they yep. added the the uh, market value of the both the tech as additional income on our paychecks. And then they took it out as a uh, federal tax withholding. So it just, it puts you in a different bracket. It just hit us hard. Um, I got hit about 700, almost $700. Um, some people got hit 400, some, some uh, got hit for a thousand. It was just depending on the tech they had. Uh, and also I, I wish I had, uh, I'd have to dig for it, but they, some of the correspondence was they labeled this as a severance package. So it was, <laughs> As a severance, not, not necessarily a bonus. It was hey, we're wow. separating. Here you go. Here's your gift from the campaign. By the way, you got to pay for it. So we just essentially, instead of giving us th- these laptops as a severance package, they gave it to us at like wholesale value
2: and they called the difference severance that's absolutely asinine usually if you get a severance package from an employer they give you two or three months pay and that's usually generally in lieu of of not filing a lawsuit against the employer right so that's outlandish that so you're talking about what a five hundred dollar severance pay yeah or less
3: yeah and there were some other interviews out there that have been floating around that um they would that we have been saying, this is not this is not necessarily fair, what, what was going on, especially with all the promises. And uh, the response is, well, this is unprecedented for uh, no other campaign has been doing this. So you should probably feel thankful. Oh,
2: that's yeah, absolutely that's, asinine.
0: That's been, been, yep,
3: that, that's been the
0: response. You could kind of tell I guess sometimes, by the way, that people talk what they're anticipating you're going to say. And they're saying, well, we paid you more than anybody else. Again, you also promised that you would pay us through November, no matter who the nominee was, At for me, because I was a field organizer at $6,000 a month. But even then, if you do the math on that, um, field organizers get paid usually about it depends, but about three. But often yeah. they pull fourteen-hour days. So right. most field organizers should have been getting paid what we were getting paid to begin with. Hundred percent.
2: Yeah, that's so not. Just, you- that's not super high pay in the in the world. Uh, so the idea that they're saying that it is—I mean, here in Los Angeles, that would be average what you would need to make just to make a basic rental apartment and food. Like this is not extraordinary amount of money, you know. But this is how far the country shifted, right? The fact that that this is the platonomy so to speak is able to say these things like be thankful that we even gave you this basic thing is kind of ludicrous um i wanted to ask you specifically about a phone call that occurred on march 20th with his campaign this is the the call that you guys were told that you were going to be laid off what you were both on that call i'm assuming and if so walk me through that how that went
3: well yes um we were i think tori you were on that call too
0: I don't think I was on the March
3: 20th. Okay. call. Okay. All right. So I'll walk you through as best I, as I remember. Um, we The phone call was originally scheduled for that Wednesday on the uh, 17th. It was delayed about, and it was a four o'clock call. They delayed it. I want to say like, you know, 10 hours before the call was supposed to happen. They postponed it. And The phone call, we were speculating on what it was. Maybe it was about the independent expenditure that uh, Michael Bloomberg had promised that he was going to do. It could have been all sorts of things. Uh, We didn't expect it to be pretty much saying we're closing up all operations. We were going to do a donation to the uh, DNC. Uh, With that, um, in these battleground states, the DNC was going to use this money to hire more organizers there. Uh, You have the opportunity to apply for the DNC to get one of those uh, field organizer positions, um, it's not guaranteed because they're not hiring. Um, the Bloomberg campaign is not hiring you. It's they are doing their own hiring processes. Um, just here's the website. Pay for it. You have insurance at the end of the month. Goodbye. Uh, the end of the uh, the end of the uh, phone call was just some lady from HR just reading from a script, and it just no questions, no nothing. They just and terminated the phone call.
2: Wow. Right up. Wow. That's crazy. So one of the things that I find particularly two things, actually, that I find kind of egregious about the situation is so the Bloomberg campaign then gave a donation to the DNC of 18 million dollars, which is money that could have been used to pay you folks if he had uh, stayed true to his obligations, his commitments. And the second thing is if so if if Bloomberg is still in the race, I completely agree that this is a battleground state, right? Because he's he's in a primary, he's he's fighting to win that primary, so that's that's that is absolutely a battleground, right? But if he's dropped out of the out of the race and he's no longer running and he's still calling it a battleground state, that to me says, well, he's now on this this uh, bandwagon of anything to stop Bernie, which is is Bernie Sanders, and, and to get on board that. And I think that kind of puts you guys in a precarious position in sense because now it's like, well, if your idea of battleground is I'm going to uh, fight against the GOP, against Trump, that's what my per- pejorative is. That sort of reframes it in a different way. Uh, did you have any feelings on that or did it not matter as part of the situation?
3: Uh, Tori, did you have any feelings on that? Honestly,
0: um, I'm... I'm a huge Bernie Sanders supporter so um, it was the like the whole campaign was a lot of feelings but yeah <laughs> the, a lot of people at doors honestly told me the same thing you're saying and at first I thought oh nobody would do that I you know which I guess is doesn't make me sound all that smart but I was like well why would he do all this just to do that and there's yeah. a lot of people at the doors said well it looks like everyone's going to drop out and then support Biden and it looks like, uh bloomberg is spending all of this money to try to um shore up support for moderates and it looks like everyone's yeah. going to drop out fall in line behind biden and they're doing it to undermine Sanders. i was like well no he said he would keep paying me through november no matter right. who won so if that included bernie Sanders that could include bernie sanders why would he do that and then right. as i talked to more and more people at doors they kept repeating the same thing to me and i thought oh i really hope that's not true right <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like uh, uh it seems like that's the consensus and if that was his plan it seems like he did a great job
3: yeah if, if that was the plan if, it was never really said on our level it was um, yeah it was no indicated but um i the, actions do speak um uh, um, it, it would make sense if that's what the, it was happening, but um, that was never communicated to us. Okay. Our number one priority was to make sure that um, we would defeat Donald Trump. And that's what we were committed to do, no matter who it was. Um, if Bernie um, was the nominee at, at that point and everyone fall, fall in line, absolutely, we right. would be behind that. But um, that's that was the message that uh, HQ had told us. and Right. Um, but it seems like uh, everything to do with the H, what HQ has done has always been double talk and kind of going back on their word.
2: Yeah, no, I mean you know, so the DNC in and of itself—I've covered the DNC for several years now. I mean, there's a lot of lobbyists that are, are DNC members, and a lot of the at-large members are also lobbyists, and many of them have publicly stated that their main goal is to defeat Bernie Sanders. And you know, the reason—I think there's sort of a, a proxy battle that's going on inside the Democratic Party between these two factions. You know, a big chunk of of the neoliberals, the corporate Democrats, they have. You know, they have—they're trying to serve two masters at the same time, right? They're saying that they're the party for the working class individuals, but they're also getting their paychecks by um, from from lobbying for corporations that want to sort of like be able to sell the Democrats on uh, the voting population of the Democrats to to specify. On this idea that that maybe fracking's okay or whatever their situation or issue is, right? It's a way of clean, cool,
0: or what have you.
2: Yeah, messaging to to folks that, and it sort of is like against what the party platform is in a way, but but they're they're still kind of trying to do that. So I think this is just one more example of that. And I don't, you know, it doesn't mean that you're clueless or, or trusting or naive. It's just that that stuff has been so hidden for so long, and I think. Um, I think 2016, we started to see it, right? But I think 2020, it's really kind of blown open, right? And it's really clear that that's the intention because they're not even trying to hide it at this point. So I think that's just really unfortunate. Um, So now there are two lawsuits that are going through against the Bloomberg campaign, two class action lawsuits. The first one, which is, I think, coming out of Florida, uh, has to do with overtime, unpaid overtime, and yes. then the second one has to do with uh, basically the campaign promise that you would be on payroll to November. Are you members of both of those class actions? And what are your feelings on that?
3: Um, I'm personally a member on the one um, about the promise to pay. Um, I, I, be- I believe the Florida one um, also includes that, but I, I can't okay. I, I remember off the top of my head. Uh, but ours does not include the paid overtime. Okay. Um but uh, both of them have to be addressed within 60 days after filing. Um, Ours was filed, um, I believe March 23rd. Um, And in response, um, let me backtrack on that. Um, um, They, as soon as it was filed, I wanna say about three days later after that, um, the uh, the Bloomberg campaign, immediately put together a fund to pay our cobra coverage for the month of april uh, okay. because there's been a lot of negative press around that um yeah so at least we have that coverage till the end of this month um we are represented from a per- firm in i want to say they're based out of new york city mm-hmm. uh they have got they've they have a track record of of uh, um, winning causes, uh, especially when it comes to workers' rights and environmental issues, they're very, very um, good on that. They've won. Uh, they're very. They approached us, and they're very confident that um, they will bring this to a national attention, and we'll get. Right. Uh, we will win. Justice will be served.
2: Yeah. And it needs to be. Um- do you know the details of the overtime situation? Is it that the field organizers were working more than 40 hours a week and they were still on salary or what – What do you know what the details of that are, is?
3: Well, well, I, I can speak on what we did out here in um, Washington. Uh, we were instructed that we were we just were on such a small time frame um, that we were not allowed to have days off. Oh, I see. Um, that we, were, we worked 12-hour, um, 15-hour days, especially when it came out to get out the vote efforts uh, before Super Tuesday. We um, – and uh, sometimes we clocked in at, you know, uh, I, there was a couple of days that I was at 84 hour weeks.
2: Wow.
3: Okay. Uh, so okay. it was, it was ridiculous on what we had to go through. Um, there were some management around the country, um, not in, at, luckily not in our office that um, management would tol- tell them that um, staffers didn't have enough time to go do grocery shopping or laundry wow. because uh, we just, you had to go. You just yeah. had once to go and um i I believe that that's one of the things that they're covering in this uh, paid overtime Um, Um,
0: yeah i'm not sure too about um the precedent on that but that's kind of another unfortunate um common theme in a lot of campaign work yeah but i also think that kind of what i was getting at earlier about how just because it happens a lot doesn't mean it's okay you know like i feel like this has been coming for a long time campaign workers have deserved to be able to do their laundry since before now, you know, right. like
3: yeah. right. And that was one of the things that we also tried to do on this campaign was to unionize. Yes. Uh, that, uh, there was a lot of. Um, I think we were one of the only campaigns that just they we weren't unionized. The we were given the option to do so wow. in an email toward the end, saying that we were invited to uh, to organize. But um, by the time we actually got traction on that, we got laid off.
2: Yeah, so it was a non issue. Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me that um, the Democratic Party, which is, you know, pro working class, pro union, a lot of DNC members represent labor groups. It's amazing to me how it's taken so long for these campaign staffs to get unionized. It's something that they've seemed to sort of fight against, um, which is a bit hypocritical. So, what was it while you were employed by Bloomberg? Uh, What was it like as far as it being worker-friendly beyond that? what Would you consider it to be uh, an anti-worker-friendly sort of environment across the board then?
0: Uh, I can only speak at being at the bottom rung of it. Um, It very much had a bootstraps kind of attitude. Like, thank you for the opportunity kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So there was... There was the, the idea that anybody might possibly identify themselves as a worker, but not just, you know, a latent boss babe in the making was not necessarily encouraged. Like okay. there was, they very big um, sales energy.
2: Ah, no, I got you. Okay. That makes sense. So now, you know, the other part of this that I think is really egregious and upsetting is... We're, we're now facing the coronavirus pandemic. This is serious. And to let your staff off when we don't have Medicare for All and your health care, your health insurance is attached to your job, you can't afford to pay COBRA if you have no pay coming in. COBRA is really expensive. So I just find it so cold-hearted that they would choose to do this not only after making a promise, but to do it in the face of a pandemic where you're probably... Um, or pe- either you or members of your family might have to face a serious illness and not be able to pay for it. I, I, was, did they bring any of that up? Did anyone say, you know, anything about COVID-19 or anything?
3: No, not in the last, um, that final phone call. They, did, they didn't even bring it up. And I think it had something to do with what was going on with um, the New York office. Um, we got an email after our lo- uh, layoff notices that saying that our Cobra was going to be, at least for mine, was going to be 2300 a month. Like, Holy wow. shit and it's like that's ridiculous um it's like you have an obligation to or you have an option to pay that um but you know i just that's ridiculous i can't i I can't do that
2: nobody Uh, i have a
3: wife who is on um she's she has an illness a chronic illness so i mean i can't i had to figure out something to do with that um, and I, sac- I, I mean, like I said before, I left a job, a stable job that had good insurance to d- take a job, which I thought had good insurance yeah. and it was stable. So, I mean, now we're, we're in a very bad situation. My unemployment compensation has to go back um, 18 months. And because I, when I was a student finishing my master's program, I didn't have much in the way of an income. My, I went from making in the Bloomberg bucks, as they were saying, calling it to making about 800 $900 a month. On unemployment here and it's just I, I we I actually just got off the phone call with uh, unemployment after a two um, this morning after a two-week wait to get back and I understand the capacity is very it, it, it the demand to talk to people and try to get things straightened up are very high here in Washington and around the country but um, it was a, a conversation that just went sorry um, we have nothing we have no idea how to help you so um these are the type of complaints that all our staffers here on the blue ex-staffers on the Blue blue campaign they're all facing it
0: yeah for me too i was doing um well i'm still finishing up online um like a certification at community college but i was a gig worker so for me like filing for unemployment Well, now Washington has one for gig workers, which is great. It's opening up in a week or two. But for me, the, the question was always, okay, they're saying through November, but everyone around me was cautioning me saying, well, no, you can do this, but then you'll have Cobra for a month. And I said, well, it's the most expensive insurance plan, Cobra for a month how much is that going to be? So even when I was still like thinking, trying to think strategically when I was getting all these signs that may not last that long, I realized I couldn't pay for it. But the kicker with that is that I applied like the day before the internal cutoff to get health insurance, which ended up being halfway through the one month I was working. And when I went to go ask them about opting into Cobra, they said I never enrolled.
2: Oh, you're kidding me.
0: And I said, I did enroll. I did it before the de- last day. I did it before the deadline. And they said, we can't retroactively enroll you. Oh. So even if I wanted to spend more than my last paycheck on my Cobra, that's not an option. So we're definitely,
2: I'm definitely looking at Medicaid. No, this is insane. I mean, I just can't wrap my head around this. So Cobra, if your payment is $2,300 a month, unemployment, I think, what, the max is 1600 a month. That's the max. And you're still supposed to pay rent. You're still buy food. How, yeah. how, uh, how is this even a conversation? I don't understand what it's so, I, I can't even find the words. I'm so irritated by this. This is very bad. So, and, and what kills me is this is a guy that has what? $60 billion. He's one of the wealthiest individuals in the United States. Yeah. And, Again, they gave that 18 million dollars to the DNC and they could have used that money to take care of you guys in a pandemic and just, you know, fulfill their obligations and their promises. This is really unfortunate. I just it's a very dark place, I think, uh, that we're at. And I want to know why the Democratic Party is okay with this stuff, because it's very hypocritical to what our values are. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, exactly. And this is the kind of the answers that we want the DNC to, you know, face and to bring up. It's just what is going on? What is their response to
2: yeah.
3: um, these 2000 staffers who are um, SOL? It's just we don't know.
2: So has the DNC, has Tom Perez, has anybody made any public statements about the, this that I'm unaware of or addressed any of it in any capacity whatsoever?
3: Not that I'm aware of. I mean, if they have, um, it hasn't hit the news so I, yeah. I check it. It's one of my first things I do in the morning is I, I wake up and I Google Mike Bloomberg to just see if there's been another news story on what is going on with that. Every once in a while, you'll see something from his philanthropy um, where he says that he's donated to COVID-19, but um, which, and then it's also has like four or five stories about staffers, about what they're, what they're going through. So yeah. I mean,
2: I mean, Dale, in the very least, it seems to me, if, if he is making philanthropy donations, he, it, he could create some sort of a, a slush fund for you guys to be able to pay for your COBRA bills with or something, or even if it's an ACA plan that you buy on the exchange, something like this. But he's choosing not to do that.
3: It's choosing to be, it's choosing to be ignored at this point. Unfortunate. And
2: it, Yeah. You know, so what are next months. steps with the uh, lawsuit? Where... You have court dates set up now, or are you just waiting to hear back? What, what's, where's that at?
3: I, I checked in with the, uh, at, uh, one of the attorneys uh, on Friday, and they had said that they're just waiting for a response. So it's that 60 days that they have to respond, um, and if they don't, they'll move forward from there. Uh, they they, gave me an, they didn't give me an idea for a timeline yet. They just are waiting for somebody to say something.
2: 60 days is quite a long time though if he runs the clock out on that if the campaign runs the clock out on that i mean wh- how are you supposed to have health care and whatever else you need to take care of
3: it's a good question
2: you know and, and the other part of this the other throng is that because of the coronavirus so it's not only just the pandemic from a health insurance perspective it's also the fact if you wanted to get a job right now that's absolutely impossible that's it, not an it, option everything's shut down
3: yeah it, finding the campaign job right now it, it's it's it, it it's very troublesome right now um not even a retail job um it's no. it's kind of troublesome right now i know grocery workers are 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 on high demand right now those essential employees are in high demand right now but it's extremely competitive um when it comes uh, my experience with campaign work is we can't in field there there isn't any there isn't a field uh, right. you can't yeah, go out you can't door yeah. knock you can't uh meet with uh cons- constituents and uh, voters you just you can't um, so everything is on a hiring freeze. I had a contact up in the Washington state democratic, uh, party, and they were saying that they probably won't be hiring field until June or July just because of everything that's going on.
2: That's so, uh, awful. Let me ask you this. Has anybody, uh, set up a GoFundMe for you folks, if people want to donate, if they have the money to donate even, I mean, it's like, I feel like we're headed to this environment where even if people want to donate money to folks in need, they're in need themselves. This is very scary.
3: Uh, I haven't looked. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if something exists. Um, Toria, do you know anything?
0: No, I'm not aware of any kind of like relief efforts specifically um, for our campaign. I haven't heard anything like
3: that.
2: Hmm. might be something you guys want to look into. I mean, even if folks have like five or six bucks to contribute, the, the I mean, because y- you are really in a dark place at this point. I mean, I get that a lot of other people are too, which is unfortunate, uh, but I don't know. There needs to be a reckoning in the country. I almost feel like it's interesting to me that it took a virus to kind of really make clear for the American public how badly the platonomy has been extracting wealth from us for so many decades. And we're at this place where we're realizing, wow, I can't afford health care. I can't afford my rent. Uh, my job situation is so precarious that if I lose it and I'm not giving any severance and there's no guarantee on severance, I can't even make my rent payment with my unemployment insurance It's just simply not enough. So do you think for these reasons, uh, are we, are we at a, a point in time where reality actually is going to change because of this? Meaning that, the American pr- public is more apt to fight for things like Medicare for all, uh, maybe a universal basic income of some sort. But to really sort of face these challenges and push for policy changes that will just completely change the the environment in the country permanently. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I hope so. not I'm oh, sorry. I don't know if we will, but I think the flip side of that is that a lot of people are seeing we can like, they are put doing rent freezes. Our state is instituting, like, all kinds of extra measures to hire on new people for the Employment Security Department to take calls from Dale and me. Yeah. And there is a huge surge in people hiring for, like, emergency service workers because... Like at the very bottom, like I know there's like not to try and be too Pollyanna about it. There are still people who are doing worse than me right now. There's an explosion of need for people to help redirect like homeless people for resources. So even though it's because of horrific reasons, there's a huge surge in like bolstering our horrible social safety net that we have in the U.S. So I think people seeing it actually happen could help a lot of people who were on the fence, but receptive thinking, Oh, we can't do that because it would mess up the economy. But in an emergency, what qualifies as an emergency for everyone else when a lot of other people have already been experiencing emergencies, they can do it. Yeah, they can, they can reduce rent. They can just cut people a check. They do have the money. I think seeing that it's possible is incredibly positive. And I honestly, that's one of the things that gives me the most amount of hope, like seeing record numbers of like organizations unionizing like fast food workers and seeing all of these like new projects that we could have been doing this whole time that a lot of people knew we could have been doing this whole time. I think, I mean, I don't wanna say it's like, it's like a consequence of this happening that is the only way this good could come out of it. But I am really hopeful seeing that what I knew was true we could have been doing it this whole time, yeah, and we're just doing it now.
3: Yeah, and, and I agree. it Just it may not be this time around, um, it, it, but it is a wake up call. Yeah, that these these, these pro these reforms are possible. They, that we can have a uh, larger safety social safety net, mm-hmm. and we should invest into it. Make sure that if something like this ever happens again, knock on wood, uh, that we are prepared. And, or or even, not even just like this, but in everyday life um, that we are able to protect our most vulnerable. Right. Um, and so silver linings, they'll, they'll be, it's there the promises there.
2: Yeah. I think also, so too, in a way, uh, you know, because it, you know, for so long, we've been told that there's no money to fund these programs, but then mm-hmm. time and time again, we see that they're able to fund bank bailouts, corporate bailouts, And in this particular last emergency bill, this was a giant handout to the wealthy and the corporations. They were the main receivers of of aid, not the American public. The twelve hundred dollar check that you're gonna get, twelve hundred dollars is nothing. I can't pay my mortgage on that.
3: Yeah, let's just call it what it is. It's a landlord bailout.
2: Yes. Uh, It's not really
3: a standout. It's that's that's what it is. Um, I
2: agree. No, I agree. So, you know, interestingly enough, I got an email from my mortgage holders, uh, Wells Fargo. This is a prime example. I got an email from them that they are willing to suspend my payment, my mortgage payment for three months. Now, if I was a landlord, I'm not. But if I was, I could easily take that deal, not pay my mortgage for three months, but still force my tenants to pay rent because there's nothing preventing me from doing that. That is seriously jacked up.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any difference between people who do that and people who try to buy up emergency supplies and resell them on eBay for four times the amount. Like it's the same, same cloth. Mm. They're, they're from the same cloth.
2: Yeah. hundred percent agree. So are there any aspects of the situation that we haven't discussed that you think are important?
3: Tori, can you think of anything? I think you
2: covered it, but I think the promise
0: of employment through November was so pervasive and constant that I think it's really shady there pretending that it never happened or that an at-will employment contract could somehow supersede the fact that we got almost daily reassurance that we were getting a sweetheart deal. And a lot of us did put our lives on hold for it. I have to retake like a paralegal class because I'm not finishing. I didn't finish up on time. Um, a lot of people left full-time jobs right. and I'm lucky that I'm don't have any dependents and I don't have any mortgage payments that I need to worry about. So for me, you know, temporary unemployment isn't the worst thing in the world. That's because I don't have that many people depending on me. Right. Yeah. But if you a have a family.
2: Of,
3: yeah. Yeah. If you have a family, it, it's extremely uh, bothersome for, for them. Um, there are some people who, um, took leaves of absences from their career to take this position right. because of the promise for it. And because they're on a leave of absence because of the pandemic, they can't go back. Oh, yes. So even after that, so, I mean, they have a job that's there. That's un- uh, unreachable. Um, then there's people who, um, Oh, I just had it. I was just going to bring it up, but I don't remember what it was. I am so sorry. That's, that's all right. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but Tori, uh, and Tori's right. There's a lot of people who just um, who put their lives on hold and it, for this promise. And if um, if we were given an offer to work for the, um, like if he said, hey, look, here's a job, um, work for the DNC, here's the pledge that I was going to give you, go out and do good, I think we would all jump on that in a heartbeat yeah it's uh, so yep. not that, that we just want him to pay us out that's not what we want we want to be we want to defeat donald trump in, in november i don't care who i just i just want to do it
0: yeah I that's mean, what i, I would say I, too I, when people would ask me why i was working for bloomberg uh, because sometimes people did say you seem so nice why are you working for him <laughs> <laughs> and i would say well <laughs> like take a beat i would say well you know i'm really excited to have the opportunity to be able to be in a position to defeat Donald Trump in November, no matter who the nominee is. Because at the time I was telling people, I don't think he's just saying it as a way to shut down the conversation or as a tactic. It sounds like he's actually putting his money where his mouth is. And he actually just wants to beat Donald Trump. And I'm excited to see how that shakes out. And I'm committed to do this uh, basically, yeah, about seven days a week through November, because that's important. A lot of people would love to have a full-time job just getting, or more, excuse me, getting Trump out of office. Right. That's the dream if you care about politics. And he told us we had it and then kind of didn't even tell us we were fired. I had to find out from the news. That's something I would like to point yeah. out. We often really? found out new developments from the news. They didn't tell us. That's terrible. Like We found yeah. out he dropped out of the race because it popped up on our phones from like whatever news app we had they didn't tell us anything we That's were terrible it was it
2: was very disorienting even for campaign work yeah you would think uh, that or, they would have set that up prior to the news releasing it
3: yeah i think it was probably just leaked but our state party uh, or our state um campaign here they were pretty pretty relaxed they were on the same board we were for the most part oh uh, yeah i like were, state. Like, we were talking about the new york hq Just not oh, information yeah. then yeah. trickle down yeah as well okay as,
2: Yikes. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on this developing situation. I hope that you prevail in court because this is really um, this is just bad news. It's bad news for the DNC. It's bad news for the Democratic Party. It's bad news for you folks. It's bad. It's just bad that this is sort of happening in within the ranks of a party that's supposed to be pro working class and pro taking care of each other and all, you know, all these various principles that we have. So. And he
0: had the union sign on all of his literature, campaign literature and all of his promotional materials made in a union shop too,
2: oh, as is standard. Yeah. But I think the optics on that don't look too good in retrospect. No, the optics are <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I mean, wh- how are we different from the GOP if we engage in the same sort of pro uh, pro corporate management and anti-worker rights rhetoric and behavior you know it's it's bad it
3: is, as a manager and, and when i was when i worked with my crew um i i agree that's what i did i i told people that everyone had a um, A couple work at home days that they could just sit home, do their errands, buy their groceries, do whatever they need to survive. As long as you, you know, at the end of the day, do some phone banking, because they all they wanted was. um, Michael Bloomberg is a self-described numbers guy. All they really cared about was get the numbers at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. and if they need my crew, my crew, my team needed to be able to reboot, and um, based off of their numbers requirements, it just didn't make. uh, people couldn't survive that. So no, I wanted to make no. sure because of my own principles to make sure that my, my team had that time that they can rest. And because that's what we stand for. That's what supposedly we as on the left are supposed to stand yeah, for. So exactly.
2: exactly. Although let me ask you this. It does seem odd to me that he entered the race so late to begin with. Um, what did he give you a reason for that when he was first motivated to jump in the race? Because obviously we were, we were well into the primary season at that point
3: the The reason, uh, at least, that was relayed to us, and I think it was relayed to everybody, um, was the message was that he didn't feel like anybody could defeat Trump. That was on state. Okay. stage. that's that's what it was told. Um, whether there's another reason, I have no idea. Who knows? Okay. Who knows? I don't.
2: Know. Well, thanks for coming on and talking with us and sharing your story, uh, Victoria and Dale. This is really um, it's interesting information. Um, and we we need to we need to fight this hypocrisy. I think we need to all be on board with saying that this isn't right, and we have to stand up for the ideals that are part of our Democratic Party platform. It's imperative. So, yeah,
3: I, I one of the biggest things, and I, I wanted to end it on this. One of the biggest things that Michael Bloomberg has always said was that he put his money where his mouth is. Let's um, put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. I mean, exactly. This is this is what we stand for uh, on the Democrat for the democratic party let's let's um, let's keep up with your obligations